and turn we to the book of First Kings. That would be right before Second Kings. That helps you. <laughs> First Kings chapter nineteen. This message is inspired by my last visit with Brother John, and there's some other things that I'm going to be sharing with you about my last visit with Brother John that uh, in in time to come. Uh, some very eye-opening things that he shared with me uh, that he said he'd been wanting to tell me for a long time. And I'm so glad I went to see him when I did. But this is one of the messages that was inspired by just a little phrase that he and I talked about. And the Lord just kind of prompted me, said, that's, that's your word for Sunday. So I hope we'll, I hope we'll receive it today in First Kings 19. Begin to read verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. Any of you ever had the broom tree ministry? And said, it's enough now, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went into the strength of, the, of that food for forty days and forty nights, as far as Oreb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Any of you ever felt like you were the only one doing anything for God? Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a what? A still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, Lord, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, because the children of Israel 
have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. I want to draw your attention there to verse 12, where it says, After a fire, a still, small voice. Father, thank you for that still, small voice. Thank you today for your anointing upon me to minister your word. Give us ears to hear that voice today, the voice within my voice. And Lord, we thank you for your word, for your voice, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Of course, my topic today is God's still, small voice. God's still, small voice. People often ask me, does God still speak today? And I think a more accurate question ought to be is, if God does speak, do we listen? Do we hear? Yes, God does speak today. He has spoken and He's still speaking. And we'll see that today in this message. But the tragedy is, is often when God speaks, we don't hear. We don't listen. In Revelation 3.20, you don't have to turn there, but we all know that Scripture. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Help me finish it. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. He says, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice, I will come in. Well, now, what would you think about a guest that came and knocked on your door and said, It's me. Can I come in? And you hear their voice. You open the door. He says, I want to come in and dine with you. I want to come in and fellowship with you. I want to come in and and eat with you. And then you let that person in whose voice you've heard. And once you let them in, they don't say another word. Wouldn't that be strange? I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. I'm here today to tell you that Jesus didn't lose His voice when He came in. He was talking outside. And when you let Him in, He still wants to talk. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to still speak to you. It would be strange if He came in to fellowship with you and never spoke another word. Wouldn't that be strange? Have you ever had anybody call you on the phone? They call you, but they don't say nothing. Don't let this aggravate the fire out of you. You call me, talk. Don't expect me to call to talk. You done. You call me. Wouldn't that be crazy if Jesus stands outside the door, knocks, speaks, and then we let him in? And that's the way many people think he is. They think, hey, he came in and he's gone mute. He never says another word. If you've received Jesus into your heart as your Savior. You have heard His voice at least one time, right? You didn't just decide you were going to get saved. You heard the voice of God, the still small voice, woo you and convict you and draw you to God. But He didn't come in to dine and fellowship with you only to never speak to you once He got in the house. So let's look at the still small voice today. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 12 says he was not in the fire, but in a still small voice. 
How does the still small voice come? I'm going to talk about that just a little bit. How does the still small voice come? Well, it comes, first of all, to those who are acquainted with the sound of it. Look with me in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Who's the he? Who's the his? Our shepherd, Jesus. We're his sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. His sheep what? Hear his voice. Look at verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they what? Know his voice. Then look with me at verse 16. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And then look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You see, a shepherd's sheep easily recognize the voice of the shepherd. I want to do a little experiment, a little object lesson. Marcus, would you come up here and stand right here in front of the offering plate here? I would like... That's all right. Just turn around and shut up. Uh, (laughs) I would like Brother Steve to come, Brother John to come, Jeremy, if you'd come. Brother Steve, would you come? You, yeah, come on up here. And uh, Mike, would you come? And uh, Brother Richard, would you come? Now, I want you guys to stand up here with me. Here's what we're going to do. Come up here with me, guys. Marcus, you stay right there. What did he say? Smarting that, smarting off. Okay, now, here's what we're going to do. I want each of these guys... To call Marcus's name. And Marcus, I want you to raise your hand when you hear your father's voice. All right? And let's see if he recognizes it. Okay? Marcus. 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 Well, that was simple, wasn't it? Thank you, guys. Made my point. How do you know my voice? Hmm? He he's acquainted with it, isn't he? He's heard it for thirty years. He's acquainted with it. Sheep should be should be acquainted with the shepherd's voice, and you'll not hear the voice of God and recognize it unless you're acquainted with it. You ought to know the voice of God when it. Well, I don't know if that was the, the the Lord or the devil. Well, what kind of testimony is that? Can't you tell the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice? Well, that's that's scary. Secondly, not only does it come to those who are acquainted with it, and a sheep ought to be acquainted with his shepherd's voice, but secondly, it comes to those who often feel alone. Rejected, afraid, and abandoned. What did Elijah say? Two times in verse 10 and verse 14. I alone am left and there's nobody but me. 
Did you know sometimes when you feel the farthest from God and the most alone, that is the time when you may just be positioned to hear God's voice the clearest. When you are alone and feel rejected and feel abandoned and feel like you're the only one, you might be positioned to hear God's voice the clearest right then. But sometimes we just need to hush in the midst of our pity party. Kill me, Lord. I'm the only one. See, when we're doing all the talking and all the complaining, we can't hear God's voice. So when you feel alone, just hush. Just be quiet. When you feel rejected, just be quiet. Because that might be the time that God speaks to you the clearest. There's a third way that the still small voice comes. Not only it comes to those acquainted with the sound of it, and it comes to those who are often rejected and feel alone. But number three, it comes in an atmosphere where distractions and noise and other voices have been eliminated. Now, I need ten of you to come up here right now. I need ten volunteers, or I will draft. <laughs> All you got to be able to do is read. Come on, Kathy. If you can read. Come on up here on stage. You got your eyes. Now, I want, I want each of you to look at what I'm giving you. How many we got? All right. Come on, Tuffy. Come on, Richard. Come on, Brenda. You was wiggling. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. Now, I want I want y'all to look at what's written on your card. Now, I want you to get familiar with what's on that card, and you can read it. But here's here's what I want you to do. When I say go, I want every one of you, to read what's on your card. And I want you to read it loud. All right? Now, I need Johnny. Come here, Johnny. I want y'all to kind of come around here and surround Johnny. Johnny, you look toward the people. Y'all come around here. Now, I want you to read it loud. You got your okay. All right. Now, when I say go, I want y'all all to read and say what's on your card to Johnny. Okay? At the same time, good and loud. Are you, everybody ready? Everybody know what we're saying? Simultaneously. Simultaneously and at the same time too. <laughs> all right? You ready? One, two, three, go. <laughs> now, wasn't that pretty? Thank y'all. Now, y'all can go. Y'all can be. Y'all can be dismissed except this gentleman right here. You can keep your card as a souvenir. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Now, Johnny, what did they say? Huh? <laughs> did you hear? Did you hear any particular voice? A voice? Any particular the message? Was right here. I heard her voice, but what she was saying, I had. No All right. Well, there was a lot of voices going on, wasn't there? Now, this voice represents the voice of God. 
The other nine represented other voices. Now, what did your voice say to Johnny? You can get ten dollars out of the offering plate. All right. Two All right. All right. Say it good and loud now. Oh. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. You can get ten dollars out of the offering plate to keep if you can hear my voice. You didn't hear that, did you? I didn't catch that. <laughs> All right, thank you. Now, 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 now we're gonna try it with no. We're gonna try it with no distractions. Here we go. Johnny, put ten dollars in the offering plate. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right. All right, let's give him a hand. All right. The point is this. God is not going to shout over the other voices and distractions that you allow in your life to get your attention. He's not going to do it. You've got to come away. That's why Jesus often went away to a quiet place. Vance Havner, the great Baptist preacher, used to say, you know, in the King James it says, Jesus said to the, to the disciples, come apart for a while. When he meant, let's go somewhere quiet. Vance Havner said, if you don't come apart, you'll come apart. Right? But you've got to be quiet. God's not going to shout at you to make you listen. All these voices we got going. What kind of voices do we have today? What, 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 what form? Y'all help me. What form do some of the voices take today that drowned out the voice of God? Media, social media, cell phones, hmm? television, children. They ought to be banned. Oh, I'm sorry. What else? Okay, work, politics, worry, worry. Yeah, worry can speak real loud, can't it? What? Your spouse? Hallelujah. Amen, Ann. I mean, they're, they're innumerable, aren't they? And we're about as apt to hear the voice of God as Johnny was going to hear Chris say, get $10 out of the offering plate. All this other. What did they say? Mary had a little lamb that sleeps as white as snow, you know? That color looks good on you. You need to wear it more often. You're somebody going to, you are someday going to win the Publishers Clearinghouse giveaway, but you must enter to win. Where are you going for lunch? I'm so hungry. Did y'all hear any of that? And, and he, and he, and, and Johnny sure didn't hear, get ten bucks out of the offering plate, right? Now, there is a fourth way that the voice comes. We said it comes to those who are acquainted with the sound of it. It comes to those who often feel alone and abandoned and rejected. It comes in an atmosphere where distractions, noise, and other voices are eliminated. But number four, it comes usually in a non-spectacular manner. We miss God by looking in the fire, in the earthquake, in the wind. I know, but when I when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I like what, I think it was, uh, 
I don't know if it was Derek Prince or who said it, but they said that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you ought to be locked up for six months because you're dangerous. And, and oh, man, I was looking for, I mean, you know, I'd cast the devil out of a doorknob. Uh, uh, every blackbird that landed in the yard was a demon. I mean, it was just just looking for the spectacular, the fire, the woo, the chasing revival meetings and going to get a word here and get a word there and, and the earthquake and the flopping out on the floor like a fish and getting anointed with enough oil that you can run 12 Volkswagens on it. Uh, just, just, the, just the, God's just going to speak in the spectacular. And if he, and if you don't see fire coming off of somebody's fingertips and smoke coming out of their ears, then God ain't in it. Well, here, God wasn't in that. Now, I'm not talking about an audible voice, and there are those who said they have said they've heard God's audible voice, and I don't discount that. But I think more than not, He speaks to us through the still small voice. And what is that? What does that look like? Well, it may be a it may be a soft impression. Just still, still small. How many of you know what I'm talking about when you feel like God has spoken to you through a soft impression? It may be an idea. Well, you didn't think you came up with it, did you? Anybody ever had an idea that you just know it was God? It might be a leading. The Bible talks about the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. It might be a prompting. Any of you felt a, ever felt a prompting? It might be a drawing or a compelling. If you're saved, you know what that felt like. And maybe you remember kind of what that felt like when you were saved. Now, I'm not saying if you don't remember the day, then you ain't saved. I ain't saying that. I'm just saying, do, are you acquainted I remember the day. Uh, I ain't saying that. I'm saying, do you are you acquainted with the with the way the convicting power and the drawing and the wooing power of the Holy Spirit feels to your to your senses? Might be a confirmation while studying. How many of you have ever been studying the Word and you just saw something you'd never seen before? You've been there a long time, at least since 1611. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, it was just like you saw it with new eyes. You heard it with new ears. Now, the best way to become acquainted with the spoken word is to be acquainted with the written word. Let me just say that right off the bat. Because there's a lot of folks saying God said and God ain't said squat. God told me to marry you. Well, when he tells me, God told me this. Everybody hearing from God. God told me this. God told me that. Let me tell you something. If you ever hear anything that contradicts this written word of what God's already said, it ain't God. I don't care if it's accompanied by blue lightning. If you hear anything and you think it's God and it contradicts what He's already said in this book right here, it is not God. Do you, do, do y'all see? It is not God. 
Our Mormon friends say that God didn't say enough in here, so they helped him. Another gospel. Another testament. And that's right. But Paul said, if anybody comes to you preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. And in 2 John 10 and 11, for all you that like to let them in and you think you're going, you think you're going to convert them, Second John 10 and 11 says, Do not even let them into your house lest you become a partner in their evil deeds. Don't let them in your house. That's what the Bible says. I said, that's what the Bible says. Don't let them in your house. You think you're going to convince them? It's another gospel. It's another Jesus. Well, I didn't mean to get off on that. But I'm just saying if whatever you think is God contradicts this book, it ain't God. I don't care if the angel's name's Moroni or Moron. <laughs> it ain't God. And if some prophet comes to you telling you something that God said, thus saith the Lord, and it contradicts this word, it ain't God. Prophecy isn't to give new revelation that God ain't never thought of. It is to confirm what He's already spoken to you. Amen? Now, if somebody comes to you and says, God told me to marry you, and he told you last night that they were going to come tell you, they were, get married. But if it, if it contradicts the Word of God, and it don't feel right down in your knower, anybody got a knower? Any of you ever had, a, had, had disturbances in your knower? This didn't feel right. We used to call it, it didn't witness to my spirit. That's what we used to call it. It didn't witness to my spirit. If it don't witness to your spirit, then... You don't, don't accept it. Which brings us to the second point of this message, which would be very incomplete if I did not share and tell you about another voice. There's not only the still small voice, but I want to close with this voice. It's called the secondary voice. Not only the still small voice, but I want to talk to you about the secondary voice. Most of us usually have no trouble hearing or obeying this voice. We obey it quickly. We believe everything it says. Have you ever figured out why we Christians doubt God who's never told us a lie and we believe everything the devil tells us who's never told us the truth? We're dumb, y'all. Something's wrong with us. We used to have no trouble at all hearing this voice. It is not God's voice. It is not our shepherd's voice. It is an adversarial voice. And it is the voice that told Elijah, run and hide. It's the voice that told Elijah, just kill yourself. People say, who have left suicide notes, 
or who have tried to kill themselves and failed, a voice told me to do it. Did you know they're telling the truth? A voice did tell them to do it. Some of them will even say, God told me to. Does that contradict the word? Well, it wasn't God, was it? But it was a voice. It's that adversarial voice that told Elijah, you're the only one doing anything for God. I'm going to tell you, he tells preachers that a lot. I don't know why your church ain't growing. You can sure out preach that jerk up the street. I hear that. Am I crazy? No. Then every preacher's crazy because we've all heard that. Huh? There is a secondary voice. And that voice tells me and you the same thing. Why don't you just quit? You're the only one. Just kill yourself. That, I mean, you know that we've, have, have, have we heard that voice? Don't we hear that voice? You can't do that. Just like Ann was speaking this morning. Oh, you can't use your gift because you don't do it. You, you can't play as good as John, so you may as well just sit down and shut up. You can't preach like this. You don't know how to pray like that. You can't pray like John Weaver prayed, so you just need to quit praying. You can't cook like Aldous, so just quit cooking. Just eat out. <laughs> I mean, he tells us all the, just quit. You ain't going to make it. It was that voice that spoke through somebody that might have been your daddy that told you, we didn't want you. You're an accident. You'll never amount to anything. Who do you think you are? You can't do this. That's the secondary voice. You see, the secondary voice always wants to contradict what God has said and talk you out of doing what God's told you clearly to do. Adam and Eve heard that. Did God say? And then if He can't get you to doubt, did God say it? He'll get you to doubt, did He mean what He said? Or, don't do what God said. He just knows you'll be like Him and He don't want any competition. Or, God didn't mean what He said. God didn't mean what you thought He said. Or you can't do what God said. Or this is one of His favorite ones. God said it, but you don't have to do it right now. You got time. Now, back in the mid-90s, I went on a 21-day all water fast. I wish I'd read up a little bit more on how to do it. <laughs> because I didn't know that you were supposed to drink distilled water. I drank spring water. And about day 15, my senses were so keen. You're going to think I'm lying, but I promise you. This is, this is the truth. My senses were so keen by day 15 with nothing but spring water. I could taste and smell every fish that had been in that water. Really. It was awful. 
Also, on night 15, I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Y'all know what a kaleidoscope is? You know what it looks like when it closes up? That's what my eyes did. Have your ears ever rung? My ears rang, the kaleidoscope closed up, and I went deaf and blind that quick. I said, I've screwed up. And I sat back down on the bed. And all of a sudden, the kaleidoscope opened up, and my ears started ringing. I could hear again. I said, I think I'll just pee in the bed. I ain't going to the bathroom. I broke out. I had so many toxins in my body. I broke out like a giant mosquito. I'm, I'm, I'm really encouraging y'all to fast. Can you tell? I broke out like a giant mosquito bite from the base of my underwear line to my neck. My whole back was raised up like a one giant. It was awful. It was just awful. Now that's. I just had a lot of toxins and stuff going on, and it was it was terrible. But one thing about that experience that I want to share with you is what it did to the secondary voice. I found out that during that experience, I was so sensitive to the Spirit. Not just the Holy Spirit, but I was sensitive to every spirit. And you think, well, you fast so that you can get a word from God to tell everybody else what they're doing wrong. No, my fast, God dealt with me. He had me to go to people that had all against me and I had all against them that had been 20 years ago. You should have seen the look on their face when I walked up on the front porch and said, please forgive me. God dealt with me about things in my life. I was so sensitive to the Spirit. It was awesome. But where I'm going with that is this. All my life and all your life, when God tells you to do something, what does that secondary voice say? Uh, you you don't you can't do that. Don't do that. Wait to do that. You got plenty of time. God didn't say. God didn't listen. This fast, where all the distractions. My most distractions in my life is my head telling me it's time to eat. And when I shut that voice down, it got quiet, and I could hear the voice of God. But the most amazing thing about what happened to that secondary voice was always telling me, you can't do this, you'll never do that, don't do this. This fast silenced the secondary voice. When God said, do something, I'd listen for the devil to try to talk me out of it. And he was mute. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could get Satan to be mute in your head? The secondary voice. I had put all the distractions and all the noises and all the desires and all the cravings of the flesh aside. And God could speak to me. And He dealt with me about some things that would have never been dealt with 
had I kept listening to the flesh. And I never will forget it. You know, after a 21-day fast, you don't go out and eat no T-bone steaks at Outback. You don't, you don't even eat no bologna sandwich. I diluted some orange juice. I'm going to tell you what. Physically, when I took that first drink of orange juice, I could hear my toenails going, <laughs> sucking in stuff. I mean, the cells in my body grabbed hands and said, Hallelujah! 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 I mean, it was good. I mean, my body was just having a party. It was like, ooh, what a rush. From one sip of orange juice with water in it, diluted orange juice. Spiritually, Something terrible happened. My flesh was saying, back in control. In the spirit realm, here's what happened. And it literally happened. The moment that orange juice went down my throat and my body started doing the jig, it was as if someone in the spirit realm pulled down a window shade. And I was back in this body and alienated from that spirit realm and that sensitivity of hearing the voice of God. It was like I went blind in the spirit. It was awful. And I wished, why did I drink that orange juice? I ain't doing another 21 days to get back to here, but why did I do that? <laughs> and what I say that for is because there's a secondary voice. There's a secondary voice. And that secondary voice can be silenced, but you've got to... Yours might not be a 21-day water fast. might be a Facebook fast. might be a chocolate fast, and that's even worse. It might be a TV fast. I don't know what it might be for you, but I know there's a secondary voice that's trying to talk. And see, that secondary voice is never real quiet. It always comes in a thundering, booming, loud. You have no problem hearing it. I mean, you know what I'm saying. The flesh can scream at you. But I want to close with what is spoken in verses 9 and verse 13 back in 1 Kings 19. In verse 9, where God says, What are you doing here, Elijah? And then in verse 13, what does it say? The last phrase. What are you doing here, Elijah? See, I think primarily the still small voice is asking you and me the same thing. What are you doing here? Ann didn't know what I was going to preach. But if you knew that you had 30 days, what are you doing?
What are you doing here? If you've got 40 more years, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You see, God's still small voice is always one of four things. God's still small voice is always for instruction, direction, warning, or comfort. It's either instruction, direction, warning, or comfort. And what you are doing here with your life and how you are doing it. Listen to this. We're going to close right here. What you're doing in this life and how you are doing it is in direct relationship with whether or not you are hearing God's still, small voice. Are you doing God's thing or are you doing your thing in God's name? Oh, we can wrap up works of the flesh in spiritual wrapping and fool everybody, can't we? Except God. And except ourselves, because deep down we know that we're doing our thing in God's name. The question God wants to speak to you today through your pastor's voice is, what are you doing here? Are you obeying the voice of God? Have you heard the voice of God? What you're doing and why you're doing it, is it because you've heard God say do it? Or is it just because everybody else is doing it and you thought you'd do it? Or is something you thought needed to be done and you've not got a definite word from God for it? Some of us, God's trying to give instruction and we're... Saying, God, where are you? He said, well, if you get quiet enough somewhere where I could tell you, I'll, I would like to tell you what I'm doing. He's giving some of us direction, but how many of us have missed direct? How many of us have missed the direction of God? At the time, it thought, well, this has got to be God. I'm going to do this. And then found out God wasn't within 100 miles of it. Is it because God was wrong, or was it because we didn't get in a place quiet enough till we could hear God? And we heard the secondary voice that told us something that sounded like God. What about warning? Oh, my word. Some of us are having to raise the brats. I'm not talking about your children. Some of us are having to raise the brats of the deeds of the flesh, even today, 20, 30, 40 years later, that we would not have had to give birth to. Our Ishmael's of impatience, we're having to raise them. They're eating us out of house and home. They're stealing all of our joy. But we would not even have had them to begin with if we had heeded God's voice of warning. But we didn't go to God, did we? We'd go and say, God, we, we, we go and say, God, I'm sorry. Please help me now that I've screwed up because I didn't hear you and I did what I wanted to do. And now we've got the wild oats that we're trying to harvest and they're killing us and sapping our joy when we wouldn't have even had that harvest if we'd have listened to the warning that God tried to give us to begin with through the still small voice. Do you all understand what we're saying? And voice of comfort. 
what a wonderful voice that is. Brenda, your family is going through that right now where they can hear the voice of comfort. Brother John's family is in a place right now where they're hearing the voice of grace in a dimension they've never heard it before because they never needed it before. I wish you could have seen Brother John laying there. Well, actually, John wasn't laying there. It was his body, his earth suit. But I wish you could have seen the smile on the face of the earth suit when John left the premises to be with Jesus. And the still small voice is what is comforting Margaret and Sonia and Wendell. Danielle, it's the still small voice that comforted you and is still comforting you. Beth, it comforted you a few months ago. Oh, do you remember when it comforted you? Sometimes we just got to get somewhere and be quiet and just let Jesus hold us and speak to us. You always go looking for the earthquake and the fire and the wind and the the circus act. You might miss God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get somewhere in your prayer chamber quiet with God and just don't say nothing and let Him speak to you. Pull out this book and let Him minister to you. My sheep know my voice, and they hear it. If you haven't heard it, you're either not his sheep, or you've been an extremely busy, distracted one. And today, God is saying, what are you doing here? When have you heard my voice lately? I want you to stand.